Report, WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. VMI's Alumni Association suspends several members over unauthorized use of its records. We dive deeper into what's in the proposed budgets the General Assembly released on Sunday. And Senator Tim Kaine introduces a bill to address the country's growing mental health crisis. This is the WMRA Daily for Tuesday, February 20th. Virginia Military Institute's Alumni Association has suspended several members over unauthorized use of its records. Cardinal News reports that eight alumni accounts were used to scrape thousands of email addresses, and that information was then used to solicit donations for a foundation in support of the Cadet, an independent student newspaper, and that violated the association's rules. Yesterday, we reported that the Virginia House and Senate had released their budgets for the next two years. Both documents differ from Governor Glenn Youngkin's proposed budget released in December. Virginia Public Radio's Brad Kuttner has more details. There's some similarities between the two new budget proposals and some significant differences. Both plans add over $1.5 billion to the governor's proposed education budget, with some funds going towards a 2.5% raise for employees over the next two years, hitting the goal of paying Virginia teachers above the national average. They also add to Youngkin's spending in mental health, with both chambers aiming for more than 3,300 Medicaid waiver slots, among other health and human services priorities. Both proposals also add to law enforcement and public safety budgets, in addition to more funding for deferred capital investment projects, which are construction ready. The House specifically mentioned raising all state employees or those supported by state funds to at least $15 an hour in line with their broader goal to raise the state's minimum wage to $15 by 2026. Here's House Appropriations Chair Delegate Luke Torian. I think as a committee we all feel like we've done some great work and we all feel pretty good about it on, on both sides of the aisle. But where do they differ? The House mentions the creation of a cannabis control authority funded with $20 million over two years. The Senate has some skill game language, but not enough to, quote, make everyone happy, said Senator Louise Lucas, the chair of the Senate Finance Committee. Lucas also threw a curveball at Youngkin's Arena Project. Not only did she further threaten its future, she also pulled any funding for the Washington Area Metro Transit Authority. Louise Lucas is chair of finance now, and the money for Metro is zero. All three budgets add a tax to digital services, which means Virginians are likely to pay more for Netflix in the future. Another bill would crack down on junk fees, also with Virginia Public Radio, Michael Pope reports. Anyone who's been to a Taylor Swift concert has probably been hit with a bunch of fees that bump up the cost of the ticket. Delegate Dan Helmer is a Democrat from Fairfax County who wants to do something about it. We cannot allow Virginians to be caught in a lavender haze when it comes to entertainment ticket prices. Consumers are experiencing a blank space upon checkout with surprise, unadvertised fees leaving them with feelings of bad blood. These mean, treacherous fees at a higher cost to the advertised ticket price, but leave consumers with sweet nothing. But what about bank overdraft fees, credit card late fees, rental car surplus fees, cell phone upgrade fees, or even hotel resort fees? Senator Stella Pekarski is a Democrat from Fairfax County who has a bill that would take a look at all those junk fees. At the end of the day, it's just be upfront about what your price is. You know, it has nothing to do with pricing. I want folks and businesses to charge what they need to charge. And I think it creates a more competitive uh, business environment at the end of the day. So far, members of the House and Senate have a different view of which junk fees they might want to go after. And they could end up trying to shake it off in a secret closed door conference committee. 
Yet another proposal would crack down on predatory probate lending, and Michael has the details. Consider the scenario. A relative dies and leaves you a substantial amount of money in an inheritance. And then, before you can get the money, you receive an offer in the mail. Delegate Carrie Coiner is a Republican from Chesterfield who had that kind of mail show up in her mailbox. It says important probate documents do not bend. It looks very official. When you open it up and you're someone who has lost a loved one, there is a check at the top how easily you can get $20,000 no questions asked. She says companies should not be able to take advantage of people in grief by charging more than 400% interest. Matt Malam is with a company called Probate Advance, and he says the company that made Delegate Coiner an offer is an outlier and that the advance is not really alone. While I know that Delegate Coiner's heart is in the right place, there are significant unintended consequences of the House bill. Mischaracterizing these contracts as loans creates a number of problems for beneficiaries. He says people coming into an inheritance should be able to get an advance on that money. Coiner says that advance is really a loan and it should be subject to all the same rules as every other loan in Virginia, including a cap on the interest rate. So far, members of the House and Senate have had no opposition to the bill, although the governor will have the final say. Reporting from the Capitol in Richmond, I'm Michael Pope. In 2022, the General Assembly established a definition for virtual currencies. This year, new legislation would create a commission to better understand and regulate their use in the Commonwealth. Brad has the details. Of the brief, unscientific survey of Virginia elected officials I spoke to for this story, few owned cryptocurrency and most didn't really understand it. But that's why legislation moving through the House from Northern Virginia Senator Saddam Salim may help. Specifically with the blockchain, there's a lot of uses in logistics, in healthcare, in farmlands. How does the Commonwealth take advantage of that? That's Salim speaking after his bill to establish a blockchain and cryptocurrency commission made it out of the Senate before moving to the House Rules Committee. If his bill passes, the commission would inform elected officials on crypto's uses and help advise future legislation and regulation on the digital market. Roanoke area Senator Chris Head introduced Richmond lawmakers to the digital currency market in 2022. He's glad to see Salim's bill advance this year. What does the Commonwealth really need to be paying attention to and what kind of things do we need to put into place so that we can sort of have understanding about it? Daniel Stabile, co-chair of Winston Strawn's crypto practice, said other states are taking steps to make themselves more friendly to crypto, even if they're just answering basic questions about existing laws. Yeah, states that really want to do a service to the digital asset sector will at least clarify the rules of the road. And that's just the sort of thing Salim and Head hope the new commission will accomplish in the coming months. A Virginia Beach-based data center and subsea cable company and other tech advocates spoke before a Virginia House of Delegates committee on Monday. They talked about Virginia's unique role in the global internet, but also warned about the opportunities they fear the Commonwealth is missing out on. Brad has more. Virginia's concentration of data centers and links to subsea data cables means about 70% of the internet and the entire world runs through our borders. Chris Mitchell works for Virginia Beach-based Global Links Data Centers. He said his company is already looking to add more subsea cable connections, which could see data transfers in the state increase by 500%. But despite that, he's not seeing tech jobs and companies flocking to the state. There's a lot of technology that we have that we can take advantage of by bringing in the types of companies that will elevate Virginia 
and keep us in the forefront of technology. Mitchell wasn't there to pitch any legislative action, but Delegate Cliff Hayes, who chairs the House Communications and Technology Committee, said he invited the company to speak because lawmakers need to be looking towards the future. Everybody should be paying close attention no matter what area you represent. And the issue is bipartisan. Southwest Virginia delegate and Republican minority leader Terry Kilgore said it's something that could benefit the entire Commonwealth. We've got to, you know, make sure that all our broadband capacity is up to snuff, that you can really, uh, uh, you know, operate your business, whether you're in southwest Virginia, Hampton Roads, or northern Virginia. We need to make sure that we uh, make that push. Hayes said the presentation Monday was only the first step in a long process to address the issue, with potentially more action on the horizon in future sessions. In Richmond, I'm Brad Kuttner. Finally today, U.S. Senator Tim Kaine has introduced a bill to help spark initiatives to address the country's growing mental health crisis. WHSV reports the Child Suicide Prevention and Lethal Means Safety Act will establish a grant program to provide funding to initiatives all across the country, including the Shenandoah Valley. It would also pay for education for families on what high-risk behavior and risk factors look like in youth. Kane said this is only one step in combating the youth suicide issue. If you or a loved one is going through a mental health crisis, contact the National Suicide Hotline at 988. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy your Tuesday.